Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. Now, as a manager, there's probably very little chance that you're going to want to spend your own money to go to management training. But you know what? If you are serious about being a great boss, you might want to think about it. If you go to Boss Builders University, you'll be able to see our Boss Builder Academy, which is a on-demand drip content management training program. The good news is you can probably convince your company to get you signed up for it, but what you'll get by spending five to seven minutes a week is practical tips and techniques for you to be a great boss. Check us out today at bossbuildersuniversity.com. Now, as the boss, you may be finding yourself in a place where your whole team is virtual, and you yourself might be virtual too. You've probably also realized that this transition from in the office to the home happened really quick without a lot of opportunity to do it right. Our guest today is Christina Walters. Now, she is a professional organizer who's going to give us tips on how to set up the ideal home office. Then she's going to also give us some tips on how to declutter. So if you're anything like me, you've probably got a whole bunch of crap packed in every place. Christina's got some tips that'll help us get rid of that and have the ideal space to do our very best work. Lots of tips. Be sure to take notes. In fact, why don't we just go ahead and let her talk? You know what to do. Buckle up. It's time for us to hit the road. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Christina Walters, welcome to the show. Hi, Mac. It's so nice of you to have me. I, I really appreciate this. No, it's my pleasure. And the topic today, I think, is going to be super relevant for us. We're going to be talking about how to set up a good virtual workspace. Now, if we had done this interview just one year ago, July of 2019, uh, this would have been an interesting talk. And maybe somebody would have listened and said, yeah, that's good because, you know, every now and then I, I get to work from home. Well, this is now how most people are doing business. They're working from home. And so that having happened so fast, too, I mean, within a month or so, people were going back to the home. I think it's been a real challenge. And so what we're going to talk about today is strategies on how to do that better. And I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But before we get there, Christina, I want you to talk to us about what you do specifically now, but more importantly, how you got in this business. Well, I've uh, always had a penchant for uh, organization and design, and I've got pictures. My mom's got pictures of me uh, cleaning and organizing when I was still in diapers. I'm on the floor, you know, wiping up the floor, and I used to move furniture around a lot. So I knew that was something that I was really passionate about. And so I got my interior design degree, and then Ironically, I was watching Hoarders. This was years and years ago and saw that there was certified professional organizers and I didn't know that you could get certified. So I was super excited and I went online and found that there was courses that you could be get take and be certified. So I have that as well and have been using both of those things for many, many years and um, really enjoy it and am happy to do it for people because it makes a huge difference. Yeah, so you're located here in Middle Tennessee, and this is the beauty of networking. Uh, a colleague of mine who was on the show um, just casually mentioned she knew somebody that helped her out a great deal. That person happened to be you, Christina. Mm -hmm. And so here you are today with 
I think, probably one of the most important things that we can talk about. So now the world has moved from a commute to a short commute from the bedroom, maybe to the kitchen table or wherever you can lay your stuff out and do some work. So why is a good virtual workspace so important? Well, like you just said, we all thought that the remote workspace was temporary and the kitchen table was fine for that time frame. And But now we have to maybe rethink that. It's maybe permanent or uh, longer term. And so we need some different solutions as opposed to temporary. So it's your space is more important than ever. And it's important for you to do your work, but it's also important in other ways because your space is now part of your brand. Used to be that how you dressed and your appearance and a handshake um, was the, your brand to other people and in a first impression. And your appearance still matters, of course, but your space is now part of your brand and it reflects you and who you are and how people perceive you. And as a representative of a company, it it also reflects the company's brand, what your space looks like around you and, you know, how you present yourself. So you could think about the impressions you've had with other people when you've seen an unmade bed behind them or, you know, the kitchen sink that's got dishes piled up or, you know, what kind of impression that leaves, even though that's not necessarily totally true, but then you think about when you saw someone who was in front of a wall of books or, you know, something that's uh, a more professional or cleaner and um, it's not as distracting and you can focus on what people are saying. Well, you're making the case that this should be a permanent, good virtual space because when we were in an office and you know, I haven't been in an office in years, but when I was, I would have personal things on my desk that made me happy and people would ask me about them and I'd love to talk about them. And that was part, I guess, of my brand. But at home, we all have the opportunity now to flip the switch. And so when we have a meeting, and in case in point, so a few months ago, my son and his girlfriend were staying with us because he was getting ready to take a new job in Reno. And I came home from work one day and he's got a suit jacket and a tie and a shirt on with a pair of uh, basketball shorts on. <laughs> and I says, what are you doing? He says, I just had an interview. I said, uh, hopefully you don't have to stand up. He said, no, it was all seated. So we can put on the facade that we're organized, but is that going to help us be more productive in a disorganized environment? Yeah. Well, you know, your your whole all of your home impa- impacts your attitude. And I, I think we can all relate to when we, it stresses us out when we've got stuff that we know is just piling up and we know we should take care of it. And it's just hanging on our minds. And when you get something done, if it's a junk drawer or uh, you clean out a closet, it just feels really good. It makes you feel lighter. So, you know, having a workspace, if you can't declutter your whole home and you can't, you know, do everything you'd like to do, the first place now to start is a workspace because that is going to make you feel more productive and it's going to reflect on you depending on what's surrounding you. And, uh, I think we've your your reference about the your son standing up and or not standing up, but having the different bottoms and tops. It it is you know kind of the norm, but I can't tell you how many meetings I've been to where the guy accidentally stands up and you know he's got 
pajama bottoms on or, you know, I think there, there was even this happens to everybody, I suppose, but the Supreme court was having their first phone meeting ever. And somebody, you could hear a toilet flushing in the background. Good Um, Lord. There just is so many things that you can take into consideration about your space because you don't know what's going to happen during a meeting or, uh, if you can't close a door, what's going to run behind you, a child or something else. So it's, you know, it's important to just be a little bit more prepared. Well, let's break this down a little bit. So let's address first the person who is working from home and doesn't have the optimum space, but they also now have uh, maybe children at home or maybe an adult parent who had to move in with them for whatever reason. So how can we minimize the distractions when we have distractions that are humans running around. And then I want to talk about for others of us that don't have that, but still need to have a dedicated space. So how would you recommend we handle a multi-person dwelling virtual office? So, you know, ideally it's a dedicated space and, but that isn't always possible. And ideally there's a door, but that also is not always possible. So if you can designate a space where everyone knows this is your workspace. It could be a corner of a bedroom or a corner of a living room and designate that. If you've got little kids, you can put uh, tape around the floor on the floor and say, you know, this is mommy's workspace. Uh, And it's like a pretend wall. So um, it gives them something to kind of play around with. But there are little things that you can do to differentiate that space. You could put up a room divider, you know, an accordion, not an accordion, but a three panel room divider. You could hang a curtain from the ceiling that just kind of gives it a a feeling of separation. And I've even known and helped some people convert a large walk-in closet into an office space. And, you know, it'd be nice to have a window, but there are, sometimes you have to make concessions for certain things that will give you a better space for yourself. Well, just considering what office space has looked like over the past few years, I mean, unless you're somebody who enjoys being around a bunch of humans all day long who are constantly poking their head over your desk wanting to talk about The Bachelor or something, most people now have a better work environment because you don't have those interruptions. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's probably in some cases is going to be better for some people to be from home because really it most offices that I do business in, there is no walls, there's no doors, there's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. open office, which I guess everybody loves the collaboration. But now I think that's going to be a thing of the past. Yeah. And, and, you know, going to, from home to the office used to be kind of a mental commute. Uh, I mean, it used to, it was a mental com- commute and ha- you had the separation of work and home. And so, yes, there can, there's positives of working from home, but there's also, it's harder to separate work from home. And so it, having that detached space or that designated space is a little bit of a commute for you so that you can leave that behind as work and then go to home and vice versa. So you're not sitting there staring at the laundry and all the chores that you need to do. And then also you're not focusing on work when it's the evening and you should leave that in the past and take some time for yourself. So it disengages you from work at the end of the day, if you can have a space and and you walk away from it. Um, So 
that's another reason why it's good to have some type of designated space if it's possible. Yeah, I guess that's, I mean, for some, it's going to be a real challenge. And, uh, you know, then technology on top of it, depending on where you live. But let's assume that we do have a dedicated space and our technology is going to work just fine. What would you recommend to be in the ideal virtual workplace? So there's um, some little things you mentioned, you know, you can personalize your space. But um, if you've got little touches, you know, plants, uh, they have a calming effect, maybe some soft music. Classical is always great because that's supposed to help uh, your synapses. But put it in, put some things in there that make it a little bit more inviting or around you so that it improves your mood. If you don't have cabinets or shelves for awesome office items, you can get boxes with lids, stackable boxes, so that and label them. So you can put post-its, pens, paper, ink, all the things you need to do your work, and it's easily found, but it's kind of put away. You want some softer lighting. Um, that helps your mood, but it also uh, helps in the video conferencing. You want to avoid windows as a backdrop. That's uh, not a great thing. It's not ideal to have a window behind you, but if that's unavoidable, close the blinds, close the curtains, and then, you know, take a picture of your background. Like how does it, or look in the computer and see what your background looks like to think about the impression you want to give. And if you can't, uh, adjust everything, you could adjust your monitor. So turn it one side or the other. So maybe if you're in a bedroom, the bed's not behind you, or you've got, it looks a little bit more cleaner and nicer in one area than another. So you can do a little tricks there. But even if you cannot do all of those things, if you can have one space that's kind of your professional space and you take your laptop or your computer over there when you know you have video calls and that's what's behind you so that you don't have to if you don't have a dedicated space that you can find something that where the impression behind you is one that's good. All right, so those are things that we should have. What are some things we should not have besides an open window when we want to do a video conference? So, uh, you know, avoid patterns and stripes and plaids either on the wall or on you keep stuff in reach if you so you don't have to get up from the computer if you've got your pajama bottoms on um, make sure you've got tissues and pens and papers all those things within reach make have a mirror nearby you're going to want to check to make sure that you don't have anything in your teeth or you know make sure that you're ready to go this may sound silly but uh, have some powder because, uh, or blotters, because shiny faces don't go well on video monitors. And your computer placement, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about uh, making sure that your camera is at eye level, and you can just use books to raise that up, because you don't want to be looking up someone's nose, and that does seem to happen. (laughs) No, I think a lot of people don't realize how they show up, or even staring at the camera rather than at the screen, Mm -hmm. you know, you can see a lot of now that people are being interviewed on the news, you see people who obviously it's their first time and they don't realize, yeah, look at the camera, not at the screen because then you look like you're not looking at me. Yeah. And that's really important now because of the virtual, you don't have the opportunity to be sitting in front of someone, you're virtual. So making eye contact and looking at people and 
making it feel like you see them and are talking to them is so important. And making sure that you're that impression that you're giving it it's important to your job as well as far as um, to your employer. If you're in a work meeting, you want to present yourself as being valuable and engaged, and and so those opportunities are fewer to interact with people like you would have normally. So a virtual meeting, the eye contact and the um, how you present yourself is so important. Well, this morning I was I had a video call and I thought I'd started my laundry early enough. And of course, it starts doing its swoosh, 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 <laughs> right when my so, meeting's supposed to start and I'm racing over there to shut it off. <clears> oh, so, yeah. Another reason as we're talking about virtual meetings to, you know, what about those unexpected things like, when your kids run in and say, I got to go poop or the train goes by your window. So it's, yeah. I mean, again, this is the beauty of the virtual world that we're in is maybe if we can be a little forgiving, it actually becomes somewhat humorous. Yeah. And if you can set it up, if you can tell people at the beginning of the meeting, let's say your husband or wife didn't, uh, wasn't able to take care of the kids, or that's just one of the things that you have uh, responsibility you have during the day. um, You can say, I, I want to apologize in advance if I've got my kids at home and people will be much kinder if they have a little bit of a warning. And, you know, it's when when that happens, you know, you do have to take a humorous bent on it. You don't want to be rude to your kids or make them feel bad because they want to come in. I mean, pe- there's so many videos of animals and kids and, you know, it's just it's it's part of life and giving people grace about that. This is a really tough situation for everybody. And you can't expect everybody to be exactly in the same situation as you are. Well, I think when this year is over with, you know, the initial piece of this will wear off. And then I think people will become more streamlined about how they do this. And they'll, and after a while, this will be a thing of the past, although there'll always be the anomaly. Because even in an office environment, there's always one person that's got to be the office clown or do something silly. But most people show up to work, you know, they get their coffee and do their job and there's not those kinds of things. So it's like anything else. You, if you're on this planet long enough, you start to see patterns and they repeat themselves over and over. So yeah, be curious to see. So we've talked about setting up the ideal workplace and arranging it just right. But there's another piece of this effective workplace, and that is not having a bunch of stuff packed in there. So let's talk about decluttering, because I think at least for me personally, that's an issue I have. I have a big issue with that. And I'm guessing probably some of our audience does as well. How do we get rid of stuff? Yeah, the, it's, you know, it's tough and it, and you can't expect too much of yourself. I mean, you might get inspired to declutter um, or you have to um, for a professional space or a workspace, but you can't don't overwhelm yourself, like take one space at a time and give yourself some kudos for doing something. Like even if it's a junk drawer, I did the junk drawer, junk drawer, you make a list of all the things you'd like to declutter. And, you know, you start with one and work your way down. But there's been a lot of publicity around the Marie Kondo, does it spark joy thing? And um, I don't know that that's totally practical in every situation um, because, my, I know that a lot of my work's stuff does not spark joy. <laughs> so, well, my bills don't spark joy, but I can't just shred those either, right? Right, right. It is nice to you know evaluate things, but here's how I start 
telling people where to, where to start from. So I recommend getting bins or boxes. Bins are easier to stack and labeling them or making sure you know which is which. One is toss, one's donate, one's I'm unsure, and the other one is keep. And, you know, the toss and donate are obvious. You're going to give those away. But the unsure is so you don't procrastinate. We all have things we pick up and I might use this. I'm not sure if I will. I, I should probably keep it. So you can put those things in that unsure box and put put that box somewhere. And if you haven't had to go to that box to find something, give yourself the time frame, six months, uh, whatever your time frame is. If in six months you have not opened that box, just get rid of it. Don't even look in it because you haven't needed that stuff. It's not been anything that you've had to have, but you have the assurance of knowing that, okay, I didn't get rid of it in the moment, just in case. So that that's one way to make it so you don't uh, put things off. And then I also suggest putting things in the keep box so that when you get done, you've got a space to start with so you can easily reorganize, clean and place things in other areas or move them around. And so you're not kind of just moving and placing, moving and placing at the in things within the same space. You're, you've got, it's basically you're starting from a, a blank slate. And if you, and then you can do another area of your house and, you know, take it one by one and you'll just, it, it's, it makes you feel so good. I know we've all had that experience. <laughs> clean out your car, clean out your junk drawer. It just, it just feels awesome. So that, that affects everything about uh, your spaces. But you are somebody who does these kinds of things for a living. So it can't be all that easy if you are hired to come and help somebody do that, right? Do some people really struggle with this? It, yeah, it's and I think it's always easier to have somebody that's objective, who's not attached to things, who can guide you through. If you're doing it by yourself, you have to set some boundaries for yourself, set some goals. If you're doing your kitchen, you say, I am not going to keep any large item that I have not used in the past year. So you, you know, all these gigantic things that we have, you know, how often do we make a panini? How often do we, you know, all of these things that we have that you just don't need them. And just in case I know I might use it someday, it's, it's easier when there's somebody there to help you. But if you have your boundaries set and you say, these, these are the restrictions I'm going to put on myself, then if you can keep referring to that when you're doing a space and encourage yourself. Like when you make a decision to get rid of something, you know, celebrate that so you're helping either someone else or you're, you know, lightening your load. So it, it can be a challenge, but it is all doable. And uh, you just have to have to d be determined to make some to hard, harder choices. And then if, if you need help, have a friend help you. Do I really need this? I've had friends come over and we've done my own closet and had a glass of wine and they've made fun of my Doc Martens from 1980 and told me I had to get rid of them. So that, you know, you can have people help you with certain things because they're more objective and they can be, um, they can say here, we're, here's what we're trying to accomplish and they can help you. What advice would you have? So I'm, I'll make this personal. And I, we talked before the show about my mom a little bit, but you know, the time is going to come where I'm going to have to go into her place when she's gone and 
start sorting through stuff and there's going to be boxes and there's going to be clothes and there's going to be furniture and there's going to be cookware and not to mention food and letters and papers. And I mean, I just, you name it, my mom's probably got it. What would you recommend for me when that day comes? Well, where where do you start? Yeah, that, I mean, that is a, that's, it can be a little overwhelming and emotional to be going through things that either you grew up with or um, that mean something to you. And then there's all of the stuff that's just stuff. And so what I recommend is having Habitat for Humanity or some of the other donation places that will come with their trucks and you get rid of all of the big stuff. If if it's furniture that you aren't going to want to keep, have them take out all the big stuff or somebody in your family that's just starting out, maybe they might need it, but just get rid of big first. And then you start with specific areas. Let's say it's the kitchen. And again, you make boxes for I'm donating and keeping, or this is something that uh, somebody might want, but it's, it's, it's easier to do it section by section and to make sure that you've just in the garage to start piling stuff up. That's going to go to donation and have them come pick it up if you don't have the the you, the vehicle to do that. But and then you've got the papers and all of the other stuff too. And it's it's a process. That stuff especially is trying to sort through that and what potentially is valuable, especially paperwork. You have the tendency to want to just throw it all out, and you do actually have to sit down and take the time. But you know, if you can be not brutal, but if you can be really decisive that's helpful too. Yeah. Well, I think when that time comes, I'm going to see if you're willing to do a road trip to Maryland because I'm really (laughs) not looking forward to that. Aside from missing my mom, we're very close, but it's just, I've always like thought, oh man, when that day comes, what a nightmare. And I guess, you know, when my grandmother died, it was the same thing. My mom and dad went out there and they said, man, she's got like 30 or 40 purses and her apartment might've been 600 square feet. And she had just like when you go to the grocery store and you get the plastic bags they give you, thousands of those just jammed up in there. So yeah, yeah. I'm my I go to my parents' house and I try I try to do one closet at a time when I get there because you know how many vases do you need, mom? And you're never going to use all this wrapping paper. She saves all of that. Um, but you know there are situations that are drastic where you have to call in a professional. Um, well, if you, even that aren't drastic, but my grandma hoarded newspapers and she had thousands and thousands and thousands of newspapers and they're heavy. You don't, you think, ah, newspaper, but they get heavy when you get a stack of them. And she just, it was really difficult and I had to call in the, the forces. Wow. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't expect to go to like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's house and see him eating donuts. So if I went to your house, I mean, would things be really orderly in there? Yeah. You know, um, my, I've got friends that think it's really funny to come over and reorganize my shoes to, so that they're not color coordinated and, (laughs) and just move a pillow over and then sit there and wait for me to go fix it. You know, they, they time me, (laughs) but I've figured them out. So now it's not, I try not to, and it's not as funny for them. So, um, but it is, I do, um, I'm very organized. I'm not 
sleeping with the enemy crazy with all my labels turned to the front and my um, your towels all lined lined up (laughs) yeah but I do I have lots of storage bins that are labeled with you know medical hair first aid you know I've got all of those things organized and they're all matching so it's kind of nice it it starts turning into like a a piece of decoration but it's storage Mm -hmm. so yeah I'm 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 a little bit like that and I I it it it's permeates my whole life (laughs) well I think you know there's so there's psychological extremes I think on either end that we go to one end there's the hoarder and on the other end there's the person that's OCD right Mm -hmm. where you got to have everything just right but I guess for the majority of us, we're in the middle where we have the choice to either be organized or to be disorganized. And so it's it sounds like just being intentional, looking at the space, making sure it's the right space, making sure it is stocked up and arranged the right way, and then having that break at the end of the day to transfer from work mindset to home mindset. And that's where I think most of us are today. And then on top of that, I'm just trying to summarize, I guess decluttering is something that theoretically should make you happy too. So cleanliness is actually a good thing, right? Yeah. And and you can't, throughout the day, you know, there's going to be, if you've got kids, they're going to be playing with toys. They're going to be all over the place. You can't have your house clean all the time, 24 seven, but there's little tricks. Even with that, at the end of the day, if you pile up all the toys and say, here's what you guys need to put away because they don't understand, you know, why cleanup is important and clutter and all that. They, they don't care. But if you say, this is your, this is your pile, you have to take care of this. It makes it uh, manageable. And then you can pick up and tidy whatever else that you need to do. But it is, it is something that you can't be too stressed out about. You got to give yourself some grace. Life is life. Yeah, sometimes you just don't feel like making your bed. Sometimes you just don't feel. But if you can, if you can keep it to a minimum of what you're not doing, and focus on the set some boundaries about what you are doing, it it will go a long way to relieving a lot of stress. Well, I think that's what most of us are experiencing the most. So whatever we can do, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a good thing. Well, Christina, this is the kind of stuff you do for a living. So if right now somebody's listening to this and they're saying, God, I got so much shit packed in my house. (laughs) I really need some help. Or I really need somebody to come and look at my office space and give me tips on how to do it better or more effectively. Are you available to help people with that? Absolutely. I have been doing some, as you can imagine, some virtual assistance with people and they can uh, turn their computer and walk around their house and um, they can tell me what is challenging them and what they'd like some advice on. And I, I am happy to try to help your listeners if they've got a specific space or design issue that they want some help with. Um, they can go to my um, Facebook page, which is Mindful Spaces, uh, or they can email me at kw at christinawalters.com. Then go to my website, christinawalters.com. Um, so it's one or the other. I'm sorry that there's a little bit of transition. I took christinawalters.com ages ago um, and uh, didn't capture mindful spaces at the time I should have. So I am more than happy to try to help either virtually or just with a question someone has. And if you want to post that on Facebook or email me, I'm happy to try to try to help. And if you want to hire me, 
to come if you're if you're local. I'm happy to help you, and I also am happy to help with office um, with workspaces as well. Wonderful. Well, Christina, very helpful hints and tips today. Uh, certainly, I'm inspired as uh, as I mentioned. Like we're about ready to add space to where we live, which is always a magnet for more junk. So this is a great time to put some of these tips and suggestions into uh, into actual practice. So thank you so much for taking time today to be on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. And it was, it was a pleasure to be here. And I appreciate the uh, time that your listeners have taken to listen to this as well. And I hope it's helpful. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. (laughs) 